when I first uh, got introduced to the park, I grew up in Santee and um, I got kicked out of Santana High School. So I got sent down to San Diego Continuation. And so I didn't have a car and my mother didn't want to drive me. So I had to hitchhike. So I had to hitchhike all the way downtown here. And that was kind of my first experience into the gay world where somebody picked me up and kind of had gay sexual experience with the person. This happened a couple of times, hitchhiking back and forth. You have to realize I was doing this every day. And then I heard about the park. Um, actually, one gentleman took me to the park, and that's where we had sex. And then after that, I would go to school, and then I'd walk up to the park because it was a you know a great experience. And I was gay, and I lived in Santee, which you just didn't do that out there in Santee and El Cajon. Um, and that was my kind of my first experience was without a car. Um, after I graduated high school, I had a car, and then I was able to uh, kind of frequent the spots quite regularly, both Queen Circle and the upper part. There was a nice parking lot up in the upper part, and that's where I would usually hang out when I had the car. But just walking around, too, you can find quite a bit of action just walking around. And I had my favorite little cove, you know, outlets that we would go to, of course. They were just kind of very rough and um, kind of, uh, you know, it's in the bushes, and it was kind of like a dugout, flat zone area where you can have sex without anybody seeing you. There wasn't many people my age. It was mostly older. But I never really thought of it that way because I was just enthralled with the part of there was other gay people and having sex was, it was just great. Uh, so I didn't really think of it now until I'm older and I realized that there are young boys, <laughs> but I was young. <laughs> and uh, I really didn't care at that time. They would make eye contact with you, you'd make eye contact with them. And you chit chat a little bit and then you'd walk down to the park or you get in the car and you drive somewhere else that's a little secluded but there was a lot of cars everybody was sitting in the car and you just kind of it was just kind of a known thing and i learned it back then that it's a known thing so whenever you went out to the park or to the bars or anything you'd put your keys in the left side if you wanted the top the right side if you wanted the bottom and if you didn't know you'd just put them in your pocket but otherwise they'd be hanging out whatever side you were interested in <laughs> <laughs> and then it went further with the handkerchiefs and all that. So you kind of learned as you went what everybody wanted. You didn't even have to talk. I mean, nowadays you got Grinder and you could look on an app. You know, there's the nod. You know, you get the eye contact right away. And then you kind of slowly meet each other. Park your car next to them. If that car leaves, then you back in so your windows can talk to each other. So you don't even have to get out of the car. But most of the time it was just circling. You went around the park over and over and over again. It was until you found the one that you really wanted. You might get nods from two or three people, and then you just kind of pick which one you want to do. I think most of the people, that was the only option. I mean, I was closeted myself when I was going there. I didn't want anybody to know. But I think that led to most of the excitement, too, and the adrenaline of going there, because you're not supposed to be there. You're not supposed to be doing this. And you didn't want anybody to know, um, which is you're in a public park, so it was a lot different than going to a club or a bookstore where... If you're seen in one of those by somebody that you might know, you're kind of already pegged. In the park, you're just at the park with your car. It's, uh, it was kind of a, a discreet way of being gay. The bathrooms kind of became off limits because that was where you got stinged, you know, or sting operations or whatever they wanted to call it. You just kind of avoided the bathrooms. Um, cars, you kind of knew, are you a cop? If you asked them, are you a cop right away, then they had to tell you the truth. If they didn't tell you the truth, then you 
you knew that they were safe. So that became a a well-used word right away. And they would ask me, I would ask them, it'd be done. I mean, when you're that young, that's how you, you kind of learned everything. And you're picking it up from the older guys that were having sex with. So they you know, take you under your wing and make sure you're safe. And Which was nice. I mean, I appreciate that. It was all a very sexual experience. It was exciting. It was something new. I, I never even knew there was a world, a gay world out there until you know, the part and then meeting people of my own kind instead of just thinking about it. So it was very exciting to to meet other gay people. Um, and then I found out about the bookstores. I was 18 at the time. And then I found out about uh, the first gay uh, teenage club that I went to, which was called Lombard's downtown or Basin Street or on Fifth Avenue. And, and that's when I uh, totally came out of the box saying, wow, this is a whole nother world. I'm leaving Santee. And when you see two guys dancing with each other at that age, it was quite a experience. Hooking up back in the old days was kind of a fun. It was a game. You, you had to watch them. You had to stand around. You had to cruise. You had to kind of stand and pose and do the little mating ritual. <laughs> um, nowadays, they do the mating ritual on their cell phones. And it's... Uh, you can find anything you want on this cell phone. You, you don't even have to go out to a cruisy spot or a bar or anything. You can you can get three or four guys to come to your house just by the click of a button, like a pizza delivery. <laughs> yeah, because it's much safer in the house than the bushes, of course. And the bushes aren't the bushes anymore because the, they've uh, you know eradicated all of the bushes. You can be in one area of a trail and see. The other trail on the other side, there's really no place to go in Balboa Park now where you can hide out and have sex. The public spaces, your cars, your bookstores, your bars, there's a lot of nostalgia behind it. Um, especially back in the 70s and the, you know, the first couple of years of the 80s, because sex was so free and so... Um, the worst thing that could happen is you get gonorrhea and then you just go down to the health department and get a couple of shots of penicillin and you walk away. So it really wasn't even a big deal to get gonorrhea. Um, you know, in the 80s, HIV came and AIDS and hepatitis and all those nasty diseases, but we didn't have any of those in the 70s and 80s. So it was a free-for-all. I owned one of the biggest bars in town. It was called WCPC in the 80s. So, I mean, I lived through the worst times of it. When, uh, you know, the bars were dead. WCPC, three quarters of the staff passed away. There was funerals, you know, then the guests as well. It was very, very dark times and people were passing away right and left. And, and nobody had, there was no families to take care of it because everybody got deserted um, because they didn't want the grandchildren to get it or the other children to get it of the brothers and sisters. So nobody even helped them. So it was the community that helped each other. So it was a sense of family and camaraderie um, that's unprecedented today uh, of back then. It was, everybody had to help each other. And, you know, today we have, you know, Lambda Archives. Is that like unheard of from back then to even think that we would even have it? And we have business associations in a beautiful center. We have a great community. We have a, a gay flag flagging in the middle of Hillcrest. I mean, how proud can you get? I'm going to get teary-eyed. 